morning. All right, Psalm chapter, Psalm chapter one. Today, I, I want to talk to you about being planted, being planted in worship. Um, we've been discussing throughout this series the significance and the importance of being planted. Uh, I said last week, whether you are planted affects what you produce. Okay. Today, I want to talk about being planted in worship from the first transitional message that we had just that one service between Christmas and New Year to the first Sunday, which was last Sunday, um, all the way through this week. We've heard this word. It keeps coming uh, to, to our mind. It keeps coming up in scriptures. And the word is river. Um, from Genesis chapter 2, which I preached on last week and the week before, around verse 10, the Bible says that, that God planted a garden in the east excuse me, of Eden. And, and from the garden flowed a river. From, not just for the garden. See, the river is not just for you. It's for you and from you. So it's for you and for others that are around you. And the Bible said a river flowed from the garden that same morning. Pastor Weston, I, I, I don't know if it was divinely, I think it was divinely led. I just don't know if he did it on purpose or if it was unintentional and God just did it through him. He probably just heard from the Lord and picked this passage in Isaiah. And the passage in Isaiah referenced dry and barren land that God would produce rivers out of the dry and barren land. So there it was again, rivers. And then my bride shared a vision, which by the way, side note, didn't say it in first service. She is not my old lady. Stop saying that. That's stupid. You, she is not your old lady. She is a daughter of the Most High God. She is the bride of your youth, and she should be respected there as. It's not your, I know you're not trying to be rude, but it sounds ignorant, okay? So my bride, my bride had a vision. I just helped some of y'all not get slapped. Uh, my bride, my bride had a vision, and she shared that last week. And, and if you want to go and listen, if you didn't hear that last week, go watch last week's message. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. Just go listen to that vision. And in that vision that she had in November, that I and our staff and nobody on our creative team knew that she had had. And then we told her the series that she was going into, and she told us the vision that she had. Okay, not only that, but I have had two other people come up and tell me about visions that they had that were similar to the vision that she had. Pictures or words or dreams, however God spoke to them. Two different people since we opened up this series. Tuesday morning, three days into our fast, and I did liquids only because that's what Pastor Weston and Kim Morrow do. And I can't let anybody outdo me. It's not even spiritual. I just didn't. They were like, well, we're not eating at whole foods at all. I was like, well, I can do that too. We're not eating whole foods at all, like at all. I was like, that's fine. I'm not drinking water at all. What you going to do now? <laughs> not really. I drank a lot of water. And, and if I could blend it, I could swallow it, I could have it this past week. And so, but three days into that, three days into that, I woke up at 520. That's kind of a lie. I, I did wake up, but I went back to sleep. I'm a snoozer. Any snoozers in the room? Come on, just, yeah, praise the Lord for the snoo. Are you married to a snoozer? Bless the Lord, oh, your soul. Sorry about that. I know you don't like us. We don't care. We're just trying to wake up, sort of. And so I fought the alarm. I fought the alarm until about 540. And uh, just side note, fortunately for my wife, I'm also a light sleeper. 
so I'm a light snoozer. So my alarm just kind of vibrates where her alarm plays like a song out loud on the days that I'm not trying to hit snooze, I'm trying to sleep. So we'll talk about that later. Anyways, I, I got up, I went down the hallway between 5.40 and 6 o'clock, can't remember how many times I snoozed that morning. I came out of our bedroom hallway and I walked into the living room and, and our dog wasn't on his bed. And as I walked forward, I stepped in water. Now, fortunately for our dog, he didn't do it. Um, and neither did any of our children. So the water was coming out of the ceiling through the sheetrock, which is, that's not good. If you've ever, that's, it's not a good thing, okay? Um, so it was, and we had to find it, and, and the couch was wet, and the floor was wet, and the dog bed was wet, which is why the dog wasn't in the bed. Did he come down the hallway and wake me up to let me know it's raining in my living room? No, 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 because he's a worthless dog. He got, he got out of his bed, his name is Shep, and he's a worthless little mini Australian shepherd that sheds and sleeps. That's what he does. In between shedding and sleeping, he eats a meal that I pay for every now and then. He got up out of his bed. He walked across the room, not down the hallway to my room, but across the room, jumped up on my couch and went back to sleep. When I came in the living room and found the flood that was taking place, I saw Shep on the other end of the couch like this, curled up, snoring. I looked at him and said, you are worthless. I then yelled down the hallway and told Megan that we had a big problem. I videoed it and sent it to uh, actually multiple friends. And, and, my, and our friends helped us out this morning. Uh, by, by this morning, everything's okay. Don't worry about us. God is taking care of us and send us people to take care of us. And we're going to get it all fixed and it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I told the Lord on Tuesday, um, I get it. Like enough with the river thing. <laughs> like I hear you. I hear you. You can, you can quit. No more. And it wasn't really a river, but it was a river to me, right? And so Megan told me when we were talking about it later, and, and guys, we were just trying to get through that day. One of our children came up. And this is Tuesday. Hey, tomorrow, it's like seven now. Tomorrow, can so-and-so come over after school before church? Can so-and-so? Megan's like, hey, sweetheart, you know what? Just trying to survive the day. Don't want to talk about it right now. So just... I, we don't care who comes over tomorrow. We're praying the Lord Jesus comes back today. So we just, <laughs> just enough with the river. Megan told me, I probably should have told you that when you fast and when you pray, anything that is hidden comes to the surface or out of the ceiling. I should have told you that there is no thing which is hidden, and this is a promise in the Gospel of Luke, no thing hidden which shall not be revealed. In the, Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, it says it this way, be sure and know that sin will be found out. Okay, so there's, so there's nothing under the surface. There's no secret that you can keep. Um, there's no leaky pipe that can continue to hide. There's no stream in the ceiling that can't come out. And there's, when you fast... And when you pray, you disconnect from things that you had former confidence and or covering in. 
And when you pray, you reconnect to God and God begins to expose these things. The people ask the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 58, I bring this up every year, I don't have it in your notes, but they ask the prophet what many people have asked me this week, why are we fasting? Like, what is wrong with you? Do you not like to eat? I promise you that is not the case. I have a love-hate relationship with fasting. Like, I kind of look forward to it, but I don't know if you noticed, I like to eat. If you've ever been around me, I'll eat your food. I don't care. I just want food. And when you fast and when you pray, listen, when you learn how to overcome King's stomach, then you learn how to make other areas of your flesh submit to your spirit too. I don't know, I told you last week, if you've ever noticed, I've specifically seen it in Cajunville, that your stomach is connected to your spirit. Come on, if your stomach ain't full, your spirit's not full. And when you learn (laughs) how to bring those both into submission to the spirit of God, then you learn how to overcome other areas of your life that you had Formerly just figured out how to cover up. Why have we fasted? The people ask Isaiah. And this passage stands out to me. He says several things, but there's two things that always stand out to me. That the light of God shall break forth like the dawn. And his healing, physical, emotional, emotional, mental, spiritual healing shall spring forth speedily when I pray over people's illnesses when I haven't eaten what I wanted to eat in the past week I have a spiritual confidence that God is healing them because I'm connected I'm connected the way that God created me to connect you can't keep secrets you can't cover it up and you can't hide it because the light of God will break forth like the dawn if you're taking notes today Write this down, number one. We must be planted. We can't just be planted in anything, and we can't just be planted any way. We must be planted properly. Um, Now, believe it or not, I worked for a landscaping crew after, why do you laugh? That's, I know I don't look like a landscaper, okay, but... um, I did. I, for, for several months, Megan and I were married, and she had a full-time job, and, and I was trying to figure out what God wanted me to do. And, and so in between school and jobs, I, I just went to work for a guy that owned a landscaping crew in the church. I made $8 an hour um, because $15 an hour is probably more than what he was making, and he owned the company and paid the insurance, so I didn't deserve what he did. Anyways, that's a, that was personal opinion. I have no scripture for that. Don't get all political stuff on me. Okay, let's keep going. So I worked on a landscaping crew with a bachelor's degree, okay, in political science. Took me five years to get that bachelor's degree. I know it takes most people four, but I'm an overachiever. Took me five. Um, Megan outdid me, took her six. Okay, so I was working for the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for the landscaping crew. And, and, and I learned that there was a specific way that we had to plant the trees and or the bushes. Um, I planted a lot of sweet olive trees um, and you had to dig a certain way. You had to dig a certain depth. And by the way, when you were digging, um, because the owner of the company didn't always dial that number and make sure that everything was marked, there were times, uh, there uh, twice actually, that Chris hit, because I know how to work a shovel. I mean, it's not hard, but, but sometimes I, I just get a little aggressive, you know, like, 
you ain't, no, dirt, you coming out, whether you want to come out or not. And I was hitting what I thought was a root. And I was like, this root's coming out of this ground. We're going to plant this tree. And I got through that root, and that root started shooting water up in the air. That was a sprinkler line what it was and so their grass gonna turn brown but we're gonna get this tree planted and I'd hit phone line I hit phone lines one time and that's like your whole day's paycheck so I learned how to do it um, somebody came up to my wife last week and and she's one of our strongest small group leaders great woman of God I didn't ask permission to share her name so I won't but Miss Janita came up to Megan and <laughs> asked <laughs> asked Megan uh, she won't care, I don't think. And asked Megan, do you do gardening? <laughs> and Megan was like, no. Y'all, we don't do flower bedding, okay? It's like, it's, whatever's there is there, and et cetera. Anyways, like, my wife, has, my wife has three ferns. They look like they've been on crack for 17 years. I mean, they are just, Bleh. she's like, it's going to grow back. I was like, no, it's not. It's dead. It is dead. It needs to be thrown out. She's like, we're going to water it and replant it. And I was like, and it's going to die again. That's all this. Anyway, so we don't have a green thumb. We have a gray thumb, okay? We make plants die. That's what, that's what we do, okay? So when she asked that, Miss Janita began to describe, and some of you that do gardening, I praise God for you because I like to eat the fruit of your labor. Um, those of you that do gardening, you understand this, that, that before you can just take a plant out of a pot and or the seed, it, it has to be, the roots have to be broken up, Right? They have that something has to happen with the roots. The hole has to be dug properly. Um, I told you I did landscaping. So my father-in-law, I'm sorry, my stepdad um, built us a house in Halton, Louisiana, still there today. He did a great job. And, and I was like one of the subcontractors would be the homeowner. And, and I did because I worked on landscaping crew. I was like, I got this. And so I planted all the things in the front of the flower bed. And no, I will not help you with your flower bed. I hate it. Um, uh, but, but I did it there. And if you go to Halton today and you look at that house, you can see some of those are still alive in the front of that house today. Some of them are not. And here's why. Because I got down into the dirt. After I got about four, inch, four inches deep, I hit clay, which was really great for the foundation of my home. Um, but not so great for me planting flowers. And so I started digging through the clay and I got a, another couple of inches and I put that sweet olive tree in there and it'd still be sticking up like that far out of that hole and the root systems, I had broken them up. And so I pulled it up and I broke it up again and I got some roots out and I put it back down and still be up. And so finally, I just took that thing out and I took my shovel. I went about halfway up that root system and I just cut the root system off. And, and then I replanted it right, on the hard ground that was probably fallow and not fruitful, and, and then I just covered it up, and I thought, you know, that thing's probably not going to survive. We need to sell this house pretty quickly. <laughs> probably didn't make it. Why? Because it wasn't planted properly, and I think what I just told you was a vision of how many people live their lives for Jesus. They get to a certain point, and it gets too hard, so instead of allowing God to anoint them to keep digging because deep cries unto deep, instead of allowing God to anoint them to keep digging, they just cut the roots off where they are. They plant themselves comfortably at their capacity, and then they cover up what they did, and they live their lives as a cover-up instead of being properly planted, and they wonder why they're dying spiritually. See, you can't just be planted. You have to be planted properly. 
See, even being born again, there are still gonna be times in your life when you're born again that God will break you down. Because when God breaks you down, come on, he is getting ready to build you back up again. The book of Psalm, 150 Psalms, 150, broken up into different books. The first 41 Psalms are to the psalmist the most important. Whoever put the book together, and there's some discrepancies as to whether it was Solomon or Ezra when he came out of Babylonian captivity. Did Solomon gather the works of his father, or or was it Ezra, And, and there's back and forth. And then there's some discussion on who actually wrote the first Psalm, okay? Honestly, it doesn't matter. There's 150 of them, and whoever put them together decided that this one was the most important to put right up front. Some scholars believe that Solomon wrote this psalm and put it in the front as a proverb of wisdom that would lead the way for the rest of the book. It goes like this, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Hear me, don't take advice from people who are not seeking Jesus. They will not give you biblical wisdom. They will give you personal opinion. Blessed is he who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't seek advice from people who aren't seeking Jesus. That's your one-liner so far today. And then it continues. Nor stands in the path of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers or are scornful or scoundrels. You can uh, interpret that word several different ways. But then it says this, verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now listen, at that time, the psalmist is saying that the law of the Lord was the word of the Lord. His delight, and not in the rules and the regulations of some heavenly father up on a throne ready to strike you down with lightning every time you mess up. That is not who he knew God to be. His delight is in the word of the Lord, the law of the Lord, the promises of God. And then in his law, He meditates day and night. Now, some of you are meditating right now. Wake up. Stop meditating, okay? I want you to to hone in. Meditating on the Word of God. Look back over your week last week and evaluate how many minutes you meditated on the Word of God. Why are we starving spiritually? Why are we so dry and so thirsty? Why are we so much like the people we're supposed to be winning? Because we meditate on many things. You had 10,000 thoughts a day on average. Some of you more than that because you're analytical. Some of you less than that because you're not analytical. (laughs) Just imagine if you just tithe your thoughts, just 10% of your thoughts were on the word of God. See, because what you meditate on, and this is why I'm like, I'm very careful. Like I'm not saying if you do yoga, you're practicing demonic divination necessarily. I am saying that that the word of God has some things to say about what we meditate on and Eastern transcendentalism probably should not be one of those things and anything that doesn't represent Jesus and represents Buddha or Hinduism or anything else is very dangerous territory because to be disobedient. Anyways, you gotta be careful what you meditate on because what you meditate on determines
determines what you think about, and what you think about determines how you feel, and how you feel determines how you behave. So stop meditating on what you've been meditating on, because as a man thinks, as a woman thinks, so that individual is. So if all you will do is make this physical adjustment of what you meditate on, stop meditating on the things of the world, hashtag social media, mainstream media, and everything else that we meditate on, and begin to meditate on the Word of God, because blessed is he who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his Word day and night. Verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted. This is my bride's vision right here. And, and I should have thought about it sooner, you know, because I have like a Bible college degree and stuff. But this is her vision. He will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Remember Jesus said, whoever believes in me shall not thirst, but rivers of living water shall flow. And by the way, that was in the passage that Pastor Dylan uh, referenced this morning as we went into prayer. Listen, I'm telling you, church, listen to me. God is trying to tell you something. He is telling us, he keeps saying this thing. There's divine echoes all around. He wants us to evaluate what we're planted in. He wants to, us to evaluate whether we are planted properly. What consumes your time and your thought life and your desires and your passions? What consumes your feelings and your finances? Are they planted in God? Are they planted in Christ? Are they planted properly in the kingdom and what God has for you and from you? Because he who delights in the law of the word and Lord and meditates on it day and night shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. It's not just that we are called to be faithful. We are called to be fruitful. Jesus said, you will know the tree by its fruit. If we are abiding, then we should be producing if we are planted properly, then we will produce properly. We will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And in due time, we will produce the fruit that God created. You won't produce my fruit. I won't produce your fruit. We will produce the fruit that was created for us individually to produce. Stop comparing your calling to other people's planting. Taking other people's highlight reel and feeling worse about yourself. Go meditate on something else. Stop allowing TikTok, Instagram, and Snapchat to determine the meditation and the desires of your heart. It's not funny. It's fallen. Trying to help you today. It's creating a worldview for you instead of a biblical view for you. If that's all that we meditate on, if that's what we do and what we think about, no wonder we are so ridden with so many things that we cannot get over. But if you're like a tree planted in the river of God, if your belief and your faith are planted in Christ Jesus, then it doesn't matter, hear me, what's going on above you. It doesn't matter what's going on around you because what's going on around you doesn't affect what's going on inside of you because you are planted by the river of living water that is affecting your roots and ultimately producing your fruits. You'll be like a tree planted in rivers of water whose leaf shall never 
wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Now this is not, and there's not a version of the Bible from King James to ESV, NLT. I looked at all of them. Okay, the only thing that translate this properly is the original Hebrew. Because the original Hebrew, in reading several commentaries, the way that this should be read, and it doesn't make sense grammatically in English because English is, is not up to par with Hebrew and Greek. It's just simply not. Whatever he does shall make to prosper. Okay, here's what this is saying. Who it should stir something. It means that it's, you're not just going to prosper. But when you're planted in the river and the, and the roots are connected to the river... And what is on the inside is affected by the river and not the surroundings of the river. That you will not just prosper in producing fruit. Come on, but you're planted in the river and the people that you have influence over. You won't just prosper, you will make to prosper. So when you're planted, come on, your babies will produce. When you're planted, come on, your family will produce. When you're planted, your finances will produce. For kingdom's sake, when you're planted, your friends, your co-workers, your business, your profit, your surrounding, your community, your church, and anything and everything that God puts around you will prosper because you are planted. You don't just prosper. You make to prosper. The book of Psalms, according to Dr. Jack Hayford, in the Faith Life Study Bible, the book of Psalms is Israel's book of worship. You take the book of Psalms and you hand it to a devout and practicing Jew, or even a messianic Jew, which is a Jew that believes that Jesus was the Messiah and has given their lives to the Lord. If you give the book of Psalms to someone of the Judeo-Christian faith, then they understand that this book is a book of worship, is a book of the songs of old, the songs of David and the songs of Moses. And so it inspires within someone who has that understanding the desire to worship. I believe that we should be planted in worship. Point number two today is that we should be planted in worship. I told our staff that this is what I was going to do, and they all go, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's what Pastor Brad is going to do on Monday night. Okay, they're all coming and getting set. Don't be like pre-K, so easily distracted. Just stay with me. Okay, they're going to come. They're going to walk in, plug, because we're going to worship. I'm not going to preach on worship not give you an opportunity to worship. Pastor Brad Jackson is coming on Monday night, January 24th, at declared in the state of Louisiana, the builder of the greatest worship team in the state within the last decade. He's going to be here on Monday night, January 24th. January 23rd, the day that Chris going to eat. That's the end of the fast. We fast and pray for 21 days. And the habits that we form last for the next 344 days in the name of Jesus. But at the end of that fast, we're gonna have uh, our general treasurer of the Assemblies of God, incredible man, took a church of about 16 to 20 people in Chicago, Illinois, to a church of thousands of people with multiple campuses. Pastor Wilfredo de Jesus. Yeah, he Latino. Yeah. He goes by Choco. Pastor Choco de Jesus. He's the Jesus, y'all, okay? He's coming, he's coming here. 
and he's awesome. He seems a little like forceful and scary, but when you get to know him, he's like the most loving, big Latino teddy bear you've ever met in your life. He'll be here Sunday morning and Sunday night on January 23rd. I'm telling you, put it on your calendar right now and prioritize it because the enemy is gonna give you something else to prioritize. You're gonna miss out what God had for you because you're not in those services. Monday night, Pastor Brad's gonna preach on worship. Tuesday night, we're gonna have a men's dinner in the student center. Hooray for the guys. Ladies, we didn't leave you out this year. I know, normally we do. This year we didn't. Um, this year, my bride got together with Miss Connie and Miss Nicole and actually several other people and they planned a ladies' night on Tuesday. Yay, ladies' night. I don't know if they have, I think they have childcare. I don't know. Yeah, they have childcare. Why? Because we get to go do what we do and y'all gotta figure out what to do with kids. And if I don't know, I don't know why that happens. It's really not fair. I, I agree, but it's just like, I never think when I'm planning, oh no, what am I gonna do with the kids? But when she does, she's like, what am I gonna do with the kids? I was like, oh yeah, them, you know? And it's just <laughs> the brain of a man, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so anyways, we have childcare um, for men and women that night. So come to the men's dinner and the student center ladies come in here. And then Wednesday night, Pastor John and Dr. Elizabeth Smith are gonna be with us on Wednesday night. I'm telling you, you're not gonna wanna miss that. Why did I tell you all that? Because today I wanna plant the seed. See, worship, so eloquently written, is more than a song. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse one, not in your notes. He says, in view of God's mercy, I'm pleading with you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's a physical act. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto the Lord. For this, says the apostle, is worship. And then he continues. So do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know the Father's will. That's spiritual. See, a physical act of obedience on our part, come on, causes a spiritual act of blessing on his part. So when we worship, we connect to the spirit of truth. I wake up many days, wake somebody up. I wake up many, many days, three people just did like this. Many days I wake up, I'm in a bad mood. I, I just, I don't know. It's just, this is how I wake up. I don't wanna get up. Um, I just kind of blah feeling. There's times when I wake up distressed over nothing or over something that's hanging over my, there's times when I, I just, I, I wake up anxious, okay? And, and I'm not a morning person. As Pastor Aaron got in the truck with me this morning, like 6.15, he like jumped in the truck. He's like, what's up, man? I'm like, shut up. I don't like to talk in the mornings. Like he's carrying his coffee, he hasn't even opened it. It's in a can. I'm like, you don't need that, dude. I didn't tell him to shut up. I talked to him. He didn't even know I didn't like it. <laughs> it's part of living for Jesus. You don't get to be a jerk, even if you are, okay? So it's just part of it. So we get here and we come in and we pray. Listen, listen. Within 10 minutes, within 10 minutes, because I believe that you're supposed to be planted in praise and worship, like as a lifestyle. Within 10 minutes, of coming in this room, I put my headphones on. They play other things, I put my headphones on and I have a playlist on my YouTube channel 
and my wife can search it and stream it and has access to it. I don't see anything that I'm, I don't watch anything I'm not supposed to because she's tiny, but I'm telling you. But I have this playlist and there's some specific songs that like seasonally God, God will show me. And, and when I put those songs on, we're gonna play one for you here in just a minute. And we're gonna all worship together. And when I put those songs on, when I worship, I become what God created me to be. I believe that the reason we wake up the way that we wake up is because we went to bed the way that we went to bed. And I believe we go to bed the way that we go to bed because of what we thought about and did throughout the day or didn't think about and didn't do throughout the day. See, what you do during the day determines what you dream and how you feel at night and in the morning. So if you spend your time before you go to bed connected to things that you don't need to be connected to, then don't wonder why you wake up feeling a way you didn't want to. But when you go to bed connected to who you're supposed to be connected to, well, every time I read the Bible, I fall asleep. You know, I've never, not one time in my life have I been mad at my son for going to sleep while he was laying with me. Not one time. Never. Have I been rocking my child and they go to sleep in my arms? whether I'm talking or singing. You don't serve a God that gets mad at you for going to sleep, reading his word, or listening to worship. He, he's unfulfilled because we're, we're looking at things that we that don't matter. We're streaming and scrolling and, and being fed by things that are irrelevant. Maybe they're not sinful, but they're not fulfilling. And then we wake up and we do the same thing when we wonder what's wrong with our spirit. We eat once a week and wonder why we're starving. It's because we're not planted in praise and worship. But when you turn the worship on and you get to know God, and John 17, 3 says this, this is eternal life. I've shown it to you. I've told it to you before. This, this is eternal life, that you would know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Because it's hard to worship who you don't know. And you can't get to know somebody you don't spend any time with. Dr. Tony Evans said, no, you don't have to go to church to be saved. You don't have to go home to be married. You just won't stay that way very long. We've got to get to know God. And there are several ways that you get to know God. And we can talk about those ways. But you know what you need to do. It's just time to begin to do it. The physical adjustments that make a spiritual difference is that we would be planted in worship. Let me show you one more passage we're gonna worship. Philippians chapter three, verse eight. Paul says this, New King James Version. Indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Can you say that? Or does your relationship with God depend on whether everything's working out in your favor? Because Paul says it's the exact opposite that shows me the knowledge of Jesus. When I get everything else out of the way, I put him in his proper place. That's fasting and praying. I, and I count all things lost for the excellence of knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Like Paul legit, he lost everything. He lost his promotion in the Jewish Sanhedrin. He lost his position with family members. He changed his name for the sake of the gospel. Saul represented prominent Judaism. Paul represented peasantry in Rome. 
He changed his name so that he could have influence for the sake of the gospel because he would rather lose it all than not know Jesus. He says, I count them as rubbish. It's not hard for me to give my offering. It's not hard for me to give my time. It's not hard for me to lift my hands. It's not hard for me to express my praise. I'm like the one leper that came back and actually told Jesus, thank you. The more I get to know God, what Paul is saying is, the greater I want to worship him. Because I can't know him without wanting to worship him. And I get to know him by worshiping him. He says this in verse 10, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Boy, we Pentecostal preachers and charismatic type spirit-filled people like to preach that part. But the next part, we rather just leave out. And the fellowship of his suffering. Oh, come on, anybody can praise him when it's going right. Anybody can praise him when it's working out. But will you worship him over the top of your worry? Come on, will you call upon his name even through your concern? Will the voice of the Lord be louder than any other voice around you? Being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You've got to be broken down before you can be built back up again. You've got to be crucified before you can be resurrected. And Paul says this, not that I have already attained it. Three missionary journeys, churches planted all over Asia Minor and the Greek Peninsula. And he says, I haven't attained it. I haven't attained it. From a Roman dungeon to a church in Philippi, he says, I have not attained it. I have not arrived. I'm not already perfected, but I press on that what? That I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. All right, hang on, watch this. Here's what Paul's saying. I don't care about anything else. I consider my life nothing. He wrote, according to Dr. Luke in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, I consider my life worth nothing. All of these perishable things, you can have them. The economy, you can have them. My retirement plan, you can have it. If I don't know Jesus, if it comes in between me knowing Jesus, I don't want it. What did Job say? Though you slay me, yet will I serve thee. Take everything else away, as the old timer said, but give me Jesus, and then he will add everything else that I truly need. I have not attained it, but I want to lay hold of that which Jesus Christ has already laid hold of on my behalf and for the people that I'm connected to. I want you to prepare to worship right now. Let your spirit be stirred for the first time or the first time in a long time. One of the videos that I began to listen to recently was Gratitude by Brandon Lake and Natalie Grant. And y'all, Natalie Grant, whoo, my sister can sing, sing. She can sing. If you haven't listened to it, go. It's tagged with Worthy of It All. We did Worthy of It All earlier. Here's what Natalie Grant says in the YouTube video, and I've listened to this 15 times, and I'll listen to it again. I listened to it during prayer this morning. Natalie Grant, in that 
video she references as they are filming Maverick City's Christmas musical for the year, Christmas worship program. She references a neurological study, a neuroscience mind brain science study, okay, that showed that gratitude and anxiety cannot exist in the mind at the same time. So when Paul, y'all, you you miss. Natalie Grant said that neuroscience, brain scientists just discovered what Paul said 2,000 years ago when he said, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Why? Because when you worship, worry is suppressed. Come on. When you praise, pressure is put away. When your shout is louder than your sorrow then that sorrow does not have the ability to stay. I want you to stand all over this place with me this morning. I want to encourage you to worship God, to press into the presence of God before we close today, that you would be planted or begin your planting. Water your way into worshiping the King today. Come on, let's sing it together. Father, we bless your name. Lord, I pray that our soul would